with my first, it was just new. It's, it's your first baby trying to breastfeed. And it's like something neither of you really are expert at yet, especially the mama. It's like you're that time period to figure it out. And so trying to figure out the latch, how often do you nurse? Not knowing that in the early stages, there's nursing like sometimes every hour, round the clock, up all night, like these things that people don't speak of that frequently. Hi guys, I'm your host, Megan Van Diepender, and this is the Empowerhood Podcast. I am so happy to have you here. You know, motherhood is hard, and we are going to talk about all of the hard things that just are not talked about enough. So buckle up and enjoy this episode. All right, so let's get started. So hi, Rachel. Hi, Megan. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thank you so much for being here. I know you're really busy. I appreciate you taking the time. Yes, I'm excited to do it. That's awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone out there listening, today we have Rachel Murphy here with us, and she is going to speak with us a little bit about breastfeeding, um, a lot of the common questions that come along with breastfeeding, and also her incredible monthly support group for breastfeeding Down syndrome babies. So I am so excited to hear all about this and also ask you, you know, a lot of questions that, you know, are really common with moms um, and just the curiosity around breastfeeding, whether, you know, moms are breastfeeding right now or, you know, want to breastfeed when they do have a baby. So I know there's lots of questions going going to come out today. Um, but before we get into that, Rachel, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and really just like your journey that has brought you to where you are today? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, so where should I begin? I think I'll start with my first daughter. She's almost seven now. And um, when she was born, that was the beginning of being a mom, right? And the whole um, breastfeeding journey. And we actually did have some kind of obstacles there in the beginning, um, some latch issues, some slow weight gain. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kept at it, kept at it. And then she was able to nurse wonderfully. And we went to the local breastfeeding support group. And that's when I really realized this was something I wanted to do. I had been a nurse since 2010. Um, so I feel like it was kind of already something I was interested in. But as far as the breastfeeding portion. Um, and then a couple of years later, I found out that I was pregnant and that my daughter would have not only just Down syndrome, but duodenal atresia, which is actually an intestinal obstruction. So she would need surgery right after birth. Okay. And so of course I was thinking, oh, how are we gonna breastfeed? You know, we, this is something I really think will help her with the medical things. And I did it with my first daughter. And mm-hmm. you know, so we went through that journey, which was, which was quite, quite challenging at times, um, just because of how much she had going on medically, really. Um, But she was able to get to to nursing at at around two months old and nursed for a while. So that will come into play later as far as kind of how we did that probably. And that launched me onto getting my CLC, which is kind of a beginning lactation um, certification, and then on to become an IBCLC. Okay. And now I'm nursing my third child. I have a nine-month-old son. and I'm Oh, my God. I didn't know you had a third. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So what is the difference between those certifications, real quick, just before you move on in your journey? Sure. So um, a CLC was a week-long course that I took here locally down in the Cape in Massachusetts. And you sit for eight hours per day. And at the end, there's an exam. 
Uh, and if you pass that, you become CLC. So it's really wonderful. Uh, can help a lot of different moms. Okay. Now, IVCLC is the international standard. It's a thousand okay. hours of, of direct care along with uh, lots of education and a pretty, pretty challenging, um, you know, three hour test that okay. has to be renewed every so often. The okay. first one does that every three years. And this one, it's really recognized internationally as kind of the gold standard for lactation care. Okay. Thank you. Course. So you have a nine month old son now that you're breastfeeding also. Okay. So yes. everyone's um, been unique. I'll tell you that each okay. journey, each baby Isn't it is funny how it's like that. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So do you work full time or how are you um, balancing three kids and your certifications? So I am mostly a stay at home mom and I do the lactation piece on kind of a per diem basis. So a mm -hmm. couple hours a week to even sometimes it's a couple hours a month. That was the beauty of the flexibility of it. While I was pregnant and he was a newborn, I could kind of do, I took a maternity leave for six months really. Okay. And then I just started up with a couple hours here and there, mostly doing that monthly breastfeeding support group, which we talked about and emailing yeah. with, with those type of um, families. Yeah, that's great. I know it's nice to have that flexibility, huh? Especially with three little ones, I'm sure. Um, now, you said all three children were so different. So, like, can you explain that a little bit more? Like, what were the challenges with each one and how did you go about it? I think that that is such an important piece, I think, just even for all moms to know, right? Mm -hmm. So, whatever lactation advice is out there in the world, it has to be individualized, not only yeah. to each mom, each baby. It could be the the physical piece. If there's any medical piece, then there's the, you know, is the person going back to work? Um, mm -hmm. So many pieces, even just in the diet, the mom and baby that go into it, let alone the above culture that plays into it and, right. and the knowledge and, and the supports sometimes yes or sometimes no. So there's so many pieces there. For me, I think that the first, with my first, it was just new. It's, it's yeah. your first baby trying to yeah. breastfeed. And it's like something neither of you really are expert at yet, yeah. especially the mama. It's like you're that time period to figure it out. Yeah. And so trying to figure out the latch, how often do you nurse? Not knowing that in the early stages, there's nursing like sometimes every hour, round the clock, right. up all night. Like these things yeah. that people yeah. don't speak of that frequently or aren't as known that maybe there might be some discomfort mm -hmm. and all these pieces that people are trying to navigate plus the weight gain piece so now you're trying to go to the doctor and you're worrying about are we yeah. you know how are we moving along here and and visitors want to come yeah. and that can interrupt all oh, the baby showing hunger signs but the aunt wants to hold the baby and you're like oh no i have to feed the baby <laughs> and then now that causes the problems those type right. of things but in our culture, we don't do what other cultures do, which can be, you know, take the 40 plus days, just mom and baby. Right. So a lot of the issues tend to be for new moms, just in general, the information or, or lack thereof of what, how many things directly impact breastfeeding that have nothing mm -hmm. to do with milk or milk supply or the mom or the baby. There's, there's right. a lot there too, yeah. but there's bigger things. Yeah. So that was, that was the issue. Those are the concerns. And the second one, my daughter had to have surgery. So she wasn't able to breastfeed at all yeah. for a couple of weeks. They wouldn't let her, she would have probably, but they had to go through and literally repair her intestine. Wow. And then when we started out breastfeeding, I had, had to give her like a drop at a time because we wanted to make sure she was healing. 
Um, and then they wouldn't let me even try to breastfeed until she was about a month old. And then it took a month for her to figure out back. What is this? What is breastfeeding? I'm confused. I had a little syringe. I had a little bottle. So trying to manage wow. the pumping around the clock every so, three hours. I was going to say, so you pumped through this whole time. Uh, yes. Wow. Every three hours without a fail day, day and night. I was pumping wow. because if you can keep your milk supply, you can breastfeed as a mom, yep. then you've yep. done your part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of some moms pumping through the whole entire, you know, first year, you know, for some reason, if the child could not latch. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that is so difficult. So God, I have so much respect for you. That is amazing. Um, and she did, it's a, she, your daughter, right? Yes. Is that what you said? Yes. Um, mm -hmm. she did end up latching and being able to nurse. Wow. Yes. So she's four now. And the biggest piece for that was doing a lot of having her right here. Okay. Always right here kind of on me so that if she kind of like moved her finger a little or like showed like she was waking up a little, I would just kind of give her a little a chance to try. Yeah. But there were days where I said, I don't think we're going to be able to do this. The, yeah. the company, I'm so tired. And I had a lactation consultant and everything that goes into pumping, which is a labor of love and pumping moms deserve all the credit for yes. that because it is so, it can be so time consuming. Mm -hmm. The benefits are wonderful, but it really can be such a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's incredible. And you had another little one too mm -hmm. at the time. How old was your older daughter when your second daughter was born? So she was just two. Wow. Um, just two weeks prior, but it was actually helpful because she was still nursing. Okay. So she kind of helped probably my supply, but yeah. also I feel like I, we did do a tandem nursing. So she was probably able to, they almost connected in that way. Like I'm like, she helped little sister out. <laughs> that's so cute. Um, yeah. Like she help. observed it and helped her learn. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. They must be so close because they're so close in age too. Oh, they are so close. That's oh my awesome. goodness. Oh, they're love for each other. Oh, my goodness. Uh, now, so with your second daughter and her health issues and stuff, so did they resolve? And like, do you think the breastfeeding helped her heal? I do. So yes, um, the surgery happened at three days old and she completely healed wonderfully. Uh, I do believe that the breast milk has helped in so many different ways for her and breastfeeding for her immunity. Uh, we know that the active breastfeeding actually helps shape the oral palate. Mm -hmm. So it can help with speech and um, kind of muscle exercises. There's a lot, it helps prevent ear infections. There's a lot of things that she could have been maybe at more risk for medically that, that okay. helped heal it. Also constipation and reflux. I mm -hmm. wouldn't want that for her especially after having a, a GI right. surgery. So right. I think that that was helpful for it as well. But we certainly went through a lot of, we had to add some fortification, add a little formula to it because she wasn't gaining as much weight. Okay. You name it, we went through it. <laughs> wow. So she is the one that ultimately brought you to creating this support group. Yes, exactly. I was okay. connected with another mother who wrote a book called Breastfeeding and Down Syndrome lives locally to me and oh, wow. her and I kind of worked it out and decided that why don't we help other moms and with the 2020 pandemic and so many things being you know virtual and on zoom we were able to reach a wide amount of people oh that's amazing now how do you think it was different like for your second daughter with down syndrome compared to um you know breastfeeding your first daughter like what why the support group for uh breastfeeding with down syndrome I guess is my question sure that's a great question 
Excellent. With my first daughter, I went to the breastfeeding support group here locally, and that was key. And I would highly recommend that to anybody that can, if they're having any sort of struggle, because that can be a free resource of really helpful, helpful people. And, you know, down the line there, there wasn't a breastfeeding support group for babies with Down syndrome. And when I connected with this other mother I knew, she had talked about how much you wished that that was there when she, her baby was a newborn. Because of some of the unique circumstances, mm-hmm. there can be sometimes, sometimes, so again, every baby's unique, but there can be some sleepiness. Sometimes babies have cardiac issues and need a giant surgery when they're six months old. Okay. So there really was um, nothing out there specialized in this. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of unique things that really kind of take some expert help to help overcome. And and we have a wonderful co-host, Jill Raven, and she is also an IBCLC. And she's been doing this for almost 40 years. And she helps so many of the different moms on the group. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that you took like the need and just like took action and made it happen because I mean, I think that's just so huge for moms, you know, all over the place, no matter what someone is going through when you find something that's not there and not helpful. Cause I mean, I mean, I felt pretty alone in my breastfeeding journey, even though there were support groups and stuff. Um, I don't know why I was afraid to ask for help, you know, but I really struggled. My pediatrician actually helped me a lot. Um, But anyway, just like getting back to that need, you know, you took that need, you knew you needed it for your daughter too, and someone else needed it too. So you, and now you're helping people probably all over the United States, right? We get people from all over. We've had a couple international people. It just really worked well because it's something I'm interested in and my my kind of career could move kind of in that direction, being really flexible as a mom with a few hours and having kind of this unique experience that hopefully, I'd like to hope we can help other people. Yeah, absolutely. And you saw your daughter thrive too. You oh, know, she went through a crazy surgery. I mean, I can't even imagine a small child like that going through a surgery and then, you know, having to pump and do all that through that. So just be able to share that experience with other people and, you know, help them know they're not alone. That's, that's amazing. And we get really- some experienced moms on the group too. <laughs> some come to the group and also share they went through this surgery. And, yeah. and so it helps other new moms too. You know, I'm not the only one. There are a lot of people out there that that share on different um, Facebook support groups that even come to our group, because like I said, each one's unique. And sometimes we can find people that live locally or have a similar medical situation and they can connect. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's why I started this podcast too. It's really just like getting each and every mom's like unique story out there, because I feel like even if we're all going through kind of the same things, you know, we all go through labor, we all go through childbirth and all these things, but it's all different, right? For each and every person, everyone's journey is like a little bit different. So if you just share it and, you know, put it out there and moms know they're not alone, it's just really, really encouraging. And and I love that. That's great. It's incredible that you're doing this. Oh, thank you. So your son, so what happened with your son? So he was born full term, 40, 40 weeks in a day and completely 100% natural, not a single intervention, not a single medication. So what, as soon as he was born, he, you know, right here on my chest, I was able to kind of pull him up here and he did the instinctive breast crawl, latched on and nursed and it was just took off without a problem. I would say that he almost, I was th- thinking not, he was gaining very quickly compared to my other kids because it was just so easy for him, you know? Right. So it was a totally different thing where I was thinking, oh, I 
I don't even need to offer this as much because he's very efficient. He can, right. he can really nurse. So quickly. Right. <laughs> so he did really wonderful that way. And different, different things. I've heard people talk about their babies, like biting when they get teeth or something. Mm-hmm. And my first never two never did that. And I experienced that this time. Oh, yeah. yeah, My mm-hmm. daughter did that when she had her teeth. <laughs> it's like a jolt. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's awesome. Well, that's great that he was nice and easy, especially after all you went through, you know, with your second child too. I mean, what do you think is the best thing to do like immediately after childbirth, like right on the chest? Like what would you advise women to do? So one of the key points of breastfeeding is what's called the golden hour. So immediately after birth, babies go through these stages of alertness and and looking around and they use their five senses and literally what they have for vision they can see what they're looking for they use smell mostly smell and they instinctively can crawl over and latch on if left uninterrupted so one of the big pieces that i really want to share today is that i would say many of the breastfeeding issues come from that being interrupted or other things during birth in the early period being over intervened upon or interrupted that end up making breastfeeding more difficult than it than it probably needed to be we have to know that when a baby's in when a mom's in labor that medications are going to affect breastfeeding you know if you if you can avoid certain things of course if you need it that's fine too a hundred percent. I had an epidural and some back labor with my first child. I'm not, you know, you do what you need to do. But I think people need to be informed that these decisions will impact breastfeeding. If you have a C-section or a surgical birth, that will directly impact that golden hour. Right. And plus several other physiological things that occur during birth. Mm -hmm. Uh, But many, many babies that are born by C-section breastfeed perfectly fine. It it might just be a little bit different of a journey as far as in the beginning um, and how those can contribute to different different things. So the biggest piece right after is an uninterrupted mom and baby time. That other stuff can wait. And honestly, the longer you can just do that, the better. Okay. So you're saying like, wait for the bath, wait for all that stuff, just like leave the baby right here. That's it. Okay. They're saying now the bath should be like several days after, at least 24 hours plus. Try to avoid, I've even read like um, the warmth of mom to baby is really important. So try to keep that, like don't have them all swaddled up okay. in, in next to you like that. They need to be able to be with you kind of, because at that point you're still, yes, the baby's now born, but that fourth trimester, mom and baby are really still a unit. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so even like what what's the golden like so it's an hour long, you're saying golden hour, like around there? So around sixty minutes. Okay. All right. They cool. say they call it the golden hour. There's a lot of wonderful information out there specifically yeah. on preserving that and, and the research behind how well that can affect breastfeeding kind of in the short and long term. Mm. Do you think that um so like latch, right? So the baby has to learn how to latch. So you said your son, you know, latched immediately. Do you think because he was your third, you were a little bit more relaxed about it, or does that have anything to do with it, or you think so? So cause... there are so many factors that it's so hard to tease out. But yes, right. I feel like at this point, I was feeling like this is gonna. There was no question in my mind that we're gonna be fine with this because okay. of experience. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Because so it's so hard factor. as a new mom. Yeah. Because like, how do you know what is a right latch and what is not a right latch? I think that's really hard 
to know, especially at first when they're not really like you, they're not efficient anyway, immediately, obviously, but like they're also, their tummies are so small. So it's like, they're not going to eat a ton. How do you know if it's right or not? What is the best advice that I can give on this from both a lactation consultant and in a mom's standpoint, I would say it is kind of following the baby's lead. And yes, that point about staying relaxed and remembering that this is something that involves like hormones being produced in your brain and the five senses and the closeness. Okay. And, and as far as the latch, giving them the time and the space to try to figure it out mm. while also having support people in place. You can look pictures up as far as latch. Mm. Um, I actually, with my first daughter went and had latch problems and the lactation consultant showed me these diagrams of how you want the latch to be okay. because I was having all of that stuff. It hurt so bad. I was curling my toes in pain, bleeding. Mm. Yeah. Practically. Yeah, I was too. Like, you know, that feeling is there. Yeah. And you're thinking, how can I do this? Then some people will offer a nipple shield, which has its pros and cons as well. Yeah. So it depends on the person. I didn't end up using it. I kind of, my mother said to me, just keep nursing, just keep nursing. This, this idea of keep at it keep giving them the chance. And, and because she had the experience and I know not all mothers and grandparents or right. anybody may have somebody around them that can do that. But as far as the latches, yes, trying to stay relaxed. And a lot of times it takes a little bit more time, but again, we have to remember the factors that come before that, that can affect the latch. Yeah. And I yep. think that that's a piece that often gets overlooked. And if we can prevent that, or we can set you up for success. And if it doesn't happen, then we have to give a little bit more time. And there's a couple different little strategies that could be tried if we're really having a tough time getting the latch as the baby gets a little bit stronger, you get a little bit more comfortable having somebody there to say, you're doing a great job. Sometimes yeah. that's all you need, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a lot of pressure, right? You're like worried they're not getting enough food. I mean, you are bleeding, you are in pain, but it's like, how can I not feed my child? Um, I did find the nipple shield helped. Um, I, a consultant did come to my house. I think it was like two or three days after the baby was born. Um, and I was like engorged. Like I didn't pump or anything right away. Like, is that, do you recommend that Rachel? Like pumping if like, cause the baby's not taking a lot of milk. Right. So like then my milk came in and it was like, bam, you know? <laughs> so, so like, what is your advice with that? Like, I didn't know what to do with my first baby. You're reminding me of all of these pieces. There are so many pieces and you can bring yourself right back to that, right? Yeah, I can feel it. Where it's like, there's so much going on. There's yeah. such a big, big change. And as far as the pumping piece, I'm in the idea of not pumping for the first, as long as you can, if you okay. don't need to, okay. because ideally you want mom and baby to sync up because it, it's supply and demand. So if the baby's removing milk, that's what stimulates your brain to make more milk. Yeah. So if you add the pumping in, sometimes it's another factor that can get a little bit confusing. Okay. And we have to remember that when babies are first born, they're just nursing. There's not much coming out at all. They're nursing to start the process and they're getting little drips of that colostrum. 
which is liquid gold, they call it, filled with yeah, all yeah. of the things the baby needs to coat their digestive systems to set yeah. them up for a lifetime of health. So they're not getting very much in the beginning, a little bit, a little bit more, more, more. Right. And when I was pumping with, with my second daughter there, you could literally see the color changes from the yeah. colostrum to yeah. the in-between milk to now the real, what we think of as milk, the mature milk that comes right. in. So right. ideally pumping, it's dependent on so many factors. Okay. If the baby can't remove the milk because they really are having a tough latch or they don't know how, you might need to to keep your milk supply going. Okay. And that's where you'd have to look at if you needed to give a bottle, trying to do so in a way that won't create a bottle preference or more issues. Right. So the best bet is to try to just sync up, try to get over those little humps yeah. while maintaining, watching the weight, watching the baby, watching the peas and poos, those very yeah. big, big things, but trying to sync up because your body, unless of course there's other medical issues, sometimes people right. don't find that out till later. Yep. They can usually sync up. Yeah. Now, I mean, com most common um, medical issues, you're talking like chin or um, not chin, uh, cheek or lip tie or tongue tie, like those type of things. Sure. Those, those can certainly um, impact breastfeeding from the baby's point of view. It's funny. I had a mom friend who didn't get her baby severe tongue tie fixed until the baby was almost nine months old. And she was like, I was going to breastfeed no matter what. And she had like an abundant supply and it still worked all okay. okay. Yeah. So again, there's multiple factors. Other people might have a tongue tie so bad that they cannot remove the milk and they would have to get that, right. that evaluated and right. fixed right away. Now the mom's issues could be if they have had been on some medication, if there was some thyroid yeah. thing, if, if you know any sort of, a, if there was a retained, retained placenta, there's so many different mm. pieces that could possibly affect milk supply. But yeah. generally that's very, very tiny percentage of the population can't produce milk, enough milk. Most can, the mm. problems are created by other things that get in the way, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it did affect my milk supply a little bit because by the time she figured out how to latch. I was then engorged in it, which made it harder for her to latch because I was so engorged. So I did think it affected my supply. She wasn't gaining weight enough. So I, I ended up having to feed her on demand and pump, you know, morning and night when she was like still asleep. It was like endless. I mean, after hearing your story, though, I really shouldn't complain. Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> but, it is. Um, it's so hard. Oh, my God. It was so exhausting. I was getting zero sleep. And then I would like have to pump after I put her to sleep before she woke up two hours later. It was just crazy. But it did get easier. I will say that like once my supply got up there and she got more efficient um, and, you know, the bloody nipples and all that went away, it was it was pretty easy from there. And I was able to nurse her, you know, past over a year old and stuff. So I feel blessed that I was able to do that. Um, and I almost quit. You know, it was it's hard. Right. And that's, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That is great. You did. You got over that hump and it was Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. Well, that's why I really that. wanted to have you come on here. And even, I mean, if other lactation consultants want to come on here too, that's great. Um, because I think it is such a hard thing for moms. And I do think we get so exhausted, you know, and just overwhelmed that a lot of people don't make it over those humps. So just being able to talk about it and, you know, even hear your story that you made it through those crazy obstacles, Rachel, to pump for that long, you know, and your daughter thrived off of it. Um, just to be able to tell that and just, just say there's hope, 
right? You can get over this hurdle. It does get easier, right? It does. And um, and you're sharing that piece too. And that is the number one factor that research sets it up. The mother's determination, the hope, and this is what we're doing, trying to spread the information and also just what you did. You explained how the truth of it was really difficult at points. Mm-hmm. You did some things that kind of were new to you and kept persevering and look what happened over a year. That is incredible. Yeah. Well, and I really think lactation consultants are getting more and more popular now, which I think is just incredible because I didn't know one, you know, when I, after I had my daughter, there was um like an aide or something that came by, like I said, from the hospital to check on me after um, but I just think it's great to have that that resource, even if you have to, you know, pay for it and support it. It is it is worth it, one hundred percent worth it to get your own lactation consultant to help you through this. Because, like I said, my pediatrician actually was the one that kind of sat me down and was like, talked me through it. She had three kids and was like, "You're gonna have to pump, you know, here and there." You know, my pediatrician, and wow. she was amazing. And I literally thank her and bless her so much for helping me because I didn't have anybody else to do that for me. And I'm so glad that she was there for me during that. But now that there, this was my daughter's almost eight. So this was eight about eight years ago. Um, so now that we have, you know, more of these resources open and so many more people are becoming lactation consultants, um, I just think it's just, it's get one now. If you're thinking mm-hmm. about breastfeeding, yeah, find one now. Use Rachel, use whoever, you know, um, find one that fits with your needs and your style and whatever. And yes. And if you can set that up ahead of time, take a yes. breastfeeding course, yes. find out who's near you locally, find out if there's a free breastfeeding support group, find the lactation consultant, see what your insurance might cover. Mm-hmm. I, that's such a big point that you just made about the pediatrician. And I am so happy you made that point because that is so key. And I'm so happy for you that you had a wonderfully supportive pediatrician. Yeah. Not all pediatricians know much about about the lactation piece in breastfeeding. Of course, they know what they need to, to be a doctor, but I'm saying right. the intricacies, they, they know it, they know it, but they might not have as much time, should I say, to mm-hmm. to support moms through that. And exactly. that's where the lactation piece comes in. And so as part of our mission, we're actually looking to help kind of teach doctors how to support moms in that as well, the ones that are interested in it. But having a pediatrician that has your back, having the support group, is so key. It, it really is. And I wish yeah. there was a way that we could streamline lactation so that it could be lactation consultants get paid and then moms could pay based on how much money or income they could pay. Because sometimes those factors are so big, right? Yeah. The oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, there's got to be a way, like a friend of mine has a company where, you know, um, it's a nonprofit, but she supports, um, lower income families that have unexpected pregnancies. Um, so I mean, there, you maybe you could start like a nonprofit or something like that, that could offer those services where it's like, um, you pay for your, like your income, like where your income's at. Um, yeah, that would be incredible. Um, I mean, like you said, there are support groups that people can reach out to that are free, but even just having that one-on-one talk with someone, um, it's just especially when you're in that mindset postpartum where everything is new everything is overwhelming you don't know what you're doing to have that you know friend and kind of mentor to help you through that time is huge and I think I think the statistics would change so much on breastfeeding that people would stick with it much longer because like I said like 
once you get over that hump, it's really so simple um, and just so natural. My daughter has never had any stomach issues, um, nothing like that. And she really, she really has thrived, you know, once we got the hang of it. <laughs> once we got the hang of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you hear, you hear crazy stories about breastfeeding all the time. I mean, what are some of the best advice that you could give to moms out there to kind of expect if they, if they want to breastfeed? Sure. I think I'm going to touch back on this last piece about the lactation consultant being the support system. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I feel like it's as much the kind of technical help that they can with latch and weights as it is like having a a caring, supportive, Mm -hmm. often woman person with you who's on your team, who's going to help you navigate. This is the weight gain and you have to try again when the baby shows a hunger cue this is a hunger cue mm-hmm. this is if you're up two hour every two hours at night that's normal mm-hmm. somebody that's there with you that is supporting you is 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 so big and that's what i hope we can kind of come back to and i agree that would change the statistics on things yeah. so much yeah that absolutely really- for sure i mean if it wasn't for my husband um i mean you know at, you know, at like two months she wasn't gaining the weight she was supposed to, you know, I just talked to my pediatrician and I was like, I'm gonna have to pump and do this. And I was like, Oh, I just want to quit. And he was like, just stick with it a little bit longer. Like, I think it's going to be okay. And if he hadn't said that, I probably would have gone out and bought formula like that day. Not that there's anything wrong with formula, but just like, that was my mindset at that time. I just like wanted to give up. But I think if you're surrounded by someone that is gonna, you know, support you, he knew it was what I wanted to do. I was just so exhausted and, you know, depleted at that point. Um, so yeah, I think like having that support, no matter who it is, whether it's a lactation consultant, your partner, or, you know, a family member or something, um, that is so, I love that you're all the difference. That's another big piece, having a supportive person. And I also have a similar situation where we were at a crossroads where it was like, am I going to add in another bottle or am I going to try? And my husband did a very similar thing. This is funny that this is parallel. He said, you guys, why don't you go for it? There's something yeah, very yeah. like, and when it comes from your husband or your partner, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, right? Yeah. That, that big piece. So that would be something I would suggest to people. Maybe have their partners, their husbands look up what the benefits of breastfeeding are. Yeah. And maybe how how could they be supportive? Here, would you like a nice yeah. like a cup of water? Do you want me to, you know, can I get you a snack? Can I, are you comfortable? Um However, that they can be helpful makes a big difference. Yeah. I also want to touch on the the formula piece. There are instances where some people need to give formula, and that's completely understandable. I think the piece that I like people to know is that sometimes if you start giving a bottle of formula and you're not pumping, then that can cause the supply issue that didn't exist. So then people will come later and say, "Well, I didn't have enough milk supply." Well, you you probably did, but you didn't think you did. So then you gave the formula and now the baby's full. Now your breast's not getting stimulated to make more milk and you just created a problem that didn't exist. So I think that's the num- one of the number one misconceptions out there. Yeah, that, that they don't have that enough milk. people knew, they yeah. think they don't, but maybe they did. And then now they, now they don't because they made yeah. a decision kind of that they didn't realize the implications of, but it's an understandable decision when you don't have the education or support or whatever else Absolutely. it is that you needed at the time. 
Right, because, I mean, you need to feed your child, and I understand that. But I do hear that a lot, that, like, oh, I didn't produce enough milk. And, I mean, I was I was that person, right? I didn't produce enough milk. Or, like, I didn't do it right off the bat. But, I mean, I will say, like you said, you can change these, right? Because it's supply and demand. So if your baby is going to continue to eat from your breast, you're going to start producing more milk. Or if you're pumping in between, you're going to start producing more milk. So you can change it. Um, Oftentimes you can. Right, yes. right. So it's not, it's not permanent. And like you said, those statistics are low, right? That people don't produce enough milk. That's there not. Being just an issue of somebody that, that physiologically couldn't produce enough milk is very low in proportion to how often you kind of hear that or it becomes something people perceive. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Um, so what do you, so nutrition wise like while you're breastfeeding right off the bat like postpartum what do you suggest i know uh i believe uh the nutrition piece also can vary right depending on who you're talking to all of these these things can it's very important to have a well-balanced diet mm -hmm. and and eat i think your body if you listen to your body a lot it'll tell you what you need right yeah so i think there can be a misconception that you need tons and tons and tons and tons of extra right. stuff. Right. You know, I think that the calorie requirements uh, can vary, but I've heard something like 500 extra calories or yeah, something. Yeah, I think I heard that too, like 400 to 600 or something like that. Yeah. You're getting a little bit extra and it's not going wild one way or the other. Of course, with the sleep piece and juggling all the things we've talked about, some moms might not remembered that they need to take in X yeah. amount. So yeah. that's where the support piece comes and just your body really will tell you and try to keep those nice, healthy meals. If you can choose the really healthy types of foods that will sustain you. And of course we know sometimes you'll want to have some snack that's not, you know, <laughs> the healthiest option. But the point is really trying to be mindful of getting what your body needs because your body is making, expending energy to make this Exactly. This milk to then feed another being, right? right? So another baby. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And drinking a lot of water, I assume, right? Because you're creating fluid. So I assume you're calling. I remember being thirsty all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Definitely. Always had the big jug of ice water, right? By the right. bedside in the hospital. And then when you go home, keep doing that. Right. Sometimes they send you home with one, right? So keep Yeah. That one. I just used to put cups all over the house because I would just <laughs> all of a sudden just be so thirsty. I'm like, I need water now. <gasps> Um, yeah, but I mean, I work with postpartum women as a health coach. And I mean, I always just say like, listen to your body because I mean, you can say a number of calories, but if you're not hungry, you're not hungry. And if you're hungry, you're hungry. Like you're not going to go off of what someone told you to eat if you're, if you're hungry, you know? So your body, like you said, is going to tell you what you need and try to make those to be like healthy, nutrient dense choices to support the, the baby and yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, <clears throat> so I'm trying to think what else I for you Rachel um now you were a pumping mom so did you feel like this affected your supply while your daughter was recovering from her surgery pumping yeah like can you pump through the whole like through the whole first year of life like I mean I hear people doing it is it possible yes yeah, some people do it even longer than than a whole year there's yeah. now the wearable pumps I hear is, are very yes, helpful for people so that's a nice step in, in a positive direction. Somebody gave me a car charging thing one time yes. to help, like if you're going to medical appointments, because yeah. that's another thing to try to juggle. Even if there's no medical issues, you have to go to a pediatrician's appointment or whatever. Right. That can be that because you don't want to miss the pump. So the key right. to pumping 
is you have to do it every three hours or every two to three hours, eight to 12 times a day. Again, this is at the beginning. Yeah. It can depend as the baby gets a little bit older. So the biggest piece with pumping, it's, it's wonderful to provide breast milk that way. I think people going into it might say, oh, I'll just pump because it's easier. Of course, if you want to pump because you don't want to directly breastfeed, that's one mm-hmm. thing and you support whatever it is that is most comfortable for you. Yeah. If you go into pumping thinking, oh, this will be something that is kind of maybe easier than nursing. I think it's important to note that pumping around the clock can be a big commitment. Again, sometimes you'll have, you'll have to wake up at night. It's not the exact same milk output that you would get if you were directly breastfeeding for the most part. Why? Because breastfeeding is a five senses situation you smelling the baby, you're seeing the baby. Sometimes they even kind of do a little thing where they can knead a little bit and help the milk flow come down. The way that they remove the milk, if it's a healthy full-term baby that's doing a wonderful job, not like a kind of an early baby with a poor latch, again, everything's variable. Usually they can pull out more milk than kind of the the pump can, but some women respond wonderfully to a pump and some not so much. Hand expression is another thing that helps mom, especially in the beginning. If you have colostrum, it's real thick and sticky. Sometimes you have to actually do a hand expression. Lots of videos are helpful in that because the pump kind of can't do the same that way. Um, So again, all pretty variable. Mm. It can be a little bit more challenging to maintain over the long period of time. So if you can, if you want to breastfeed, if you can do that kind of might save it's easier, right? On the go, like right. you said, once you got ex- established, yeah, it's like, exactly. I can go to this barbecue. It's, I can bring my baby. It's ready to the right temperature. Right, you don't have to pack it's- anything. Yeah, exactly. And I'm also thinking like of mom's going back to work too. So that's why I'm at my point in pumping. I'm like, how, cause that, I, I hated the pumping, you know, at work, it's so much easier just to feed your baby. And then that, that's it. But you know, in realistic terms, we, most of us go back to work. Um, do you have a pump that you like that you could recommend? Or what's your favorite? So specifically, I think the only piece I would say on the pumps is that some people like a medical grade Mm. pump if there's some issues with milk supply in the beginning. Okay. So I don't like to give any kind of certain specific brands, but there's several different hospital grade pumps that you can often rent from your insurance company if you needed that. Okay. And then the major names for pumping just to have a regular pump, a lot of insurance cover those, mm-hmm. should be fine if you're doing something like you said. You were home on your returning leave for X amount of weeks, breastfeeding is going well, now you have to go to work Excellent. and you need to pump all your work. And I did that too. Okay. First. Yeah, I went back to work after X amount of months. And the key with that is getting the time to pump at work. Yeah. And I know some people, I've heard a lot of teachers, they'll be like, I can't, I can only get one lunch, one pump. Right. And then, right. so maybe as soon as you pick up the baby, you nurse them then, you nurse them before, and you nurse yeah. them at night. Yeah. And there's so many moving pieces with that. But if you can try to pump at the, yeah. the intervals needed, that's what will help your okay. pump. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, it's hard, you know, it's, especially if you don't have like a set schedule every single day at your job. So um, I mean, I feel like a lot of workplaces are getting much more supportive of breastfeeding, whether they have a room for someone to go pump, you know, I, I did not have that. I mean, I was all over the place just trying to find a spot, you know, just to, to pump real quick. Um, but it, it is doable. I think, um, I was just curious if there's like a special pump and I have seen, 
the the hands-free pumps now and like they're battery operated like it's insane you know they they're just walking around with you know a pump I, I was like why did I not have this this is crazy this would have been amazing so yeah it has come a long way so whoever is looking to breastfeed you guys are in for a treat it's gonna be hard but there's a lot of stuff that has come along that is very very helpful I agree so where do you see your support group, you know, five to 10 years from now, Rachel? Oh, that is a great question. I say we're still doing our monthly support group and continuing to reach more people. We find people all the time that come to the group and come back later and say, I just needed some place to come to talk about what was going on. And sometimes these moms are coming, yes, for a breastfeeding question, but also because they're just like, we're in the NICU and I didn't know this was going to happen and I'm so tired. And this is the piece that impacts it all, right? It's the stress, it's the sleep, it's the needing somebody to like hold new mothers as they're holding their baby, right? So these support groups, whether, you know, we continue to even open it up. So we've talked about this, opening it up to all NICU moms, anybody with any medical, you know, we really want to help everybody, but the point of keeping it specialized was to make sure that we got the information to the people that kind of might not have had it. So we've talked yeah. about different avenues like that. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I like that it's specialized too, because I feel like sometimes it's hard to find a support group that fits your need, you know, when yours is so specialized that that's just so easy to find. I'm sure so many people join it just for that specialized um, niche. For sure. Yeah. As I said, my co-host has been doing this specifically for like 40 years. So Amazing. you could talk to her with a question and she will be like, I know somebody in this place and I know this one can do it. And I'm learning something new every single yeah. day because there's a lot that can be involved in these things. Yeah, that's going to be you. Do you <laughs> think you'll work more hours like as your kids get older? Will you add on hours? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I was just thinking about that. I started my, my little, you know, social media pages, but honestly, at this point in my life, I am not, I only do it very, very infrequently. And as my kids get older, I'm hoping to kind of grow that into a business, you know, yeah. when they are busier doing things and the career can kind of come back into the forefront. But right now I'm doing the, the mom of three kids thing, but also able to help kind of some hours throughout the, the yeah. Month. I love that because you're like, you're doing your passion, but you're also doing your purpose and passion at home as well with your kids. So you get to do a little bit of both and you'll always have that, you know, as they get older and like you said, are doing other things like, right. And mm -hmm. I guess that's my next question too. Like, where can we find you? Where can we find your support group on the internet? You know, if you have a website or Instagram, um, so my Instagram. Oh, go, sure. ahead. go ahead. Uh, my Instagram is naturally DS breastfeeding. Okay. And also uh, Julia's way. So they're kind of the, the bigger piece. And, and I work with them as far as the monthly support groups. But if somebody Googles Julia's way, okay. you'll find beautiful videos and this wonderful book. And I'm kind of a, a part of that. And then I have my own page, the Naturally DS Breastfeeding. And uh, Seaside Lactation is kind of a local business. But again, I haven't taken that off the ground right now because I'm I'm focusing on being yeah. a mom right now, but there will be more to come. And I thought coming on today with this podcast, I could share some of the things that I've learned and, and see kind Absolutely. of where. Absolutely. Yeah, this was incredible. I mean, I know it will help so many people. I'm going to link all of those below so people can find you. And you do do the monthly support group now, right? Even with the three kids? Okay, so you'll yes, be so there if people join there. I'll always be there. It's every 
first Thursday of the month at 7.30 p.m. So it's a little bit after bedtime. So <laughs> Okay. All right. Perfect. So, so yeah, all of that will be linked possible. below. All right. Awesome. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. This was seriously so much good information. And I know it's going to help so many moms out there. And um, anybody looking for a support group for Down syndrome breastfeeding, definitely reach out to Rachel. And she does. you do do consulting, lactation consultants yes. sometimes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking for a lactation consultant, you can reach out to her as well. I really appreciate you being here. And it was so nice to see you. Thank you so much. I loved hearing what you had to share as well. Thank Very you. Very helpful. I'm so glad to have been on here today. Yeah, definitely. All right. I'll be in touch soon. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Empowerhood is brought to you by Flourish Everyday Coaching. Check them out in the link below. And again, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. If you could take 60 seconds of your time and leave us an Apple review, this helps share the news about this podcast and help women all over the world. If you want to see the video version of this podcast, you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. Thank you so much. And we'll see you at the next episode.